When's the last time you bought socks and underwear? About 10 years ago, I had a little money that I'd gotten during Christmas time, and I, I went to Kmart. That's how long ago it was, and I bought a bunch of socks. Not necessarily something I wanted to buy, but it was definitely something I needed to buy. Today, Pastor Rick is going to touch on some responsibilities in our life that we need, but don't necessarily want. Let's listen in. Well, good morning. If you are online, thank you for joining us this morning. Everybody grab a Bible or a phone, something to read God's Word from, open to Matthew chapter 1. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. We're in a series uh, called Socks and Underwear. What nobody wants, but everybody needs. And this has been a fun series for me. I, I was telling some people after 30 years of this, Every year Christmas comes, right? And you're like, man, creativity and looking at this from a different perspective. This gives some fresh air into this. So today we're going to hear some of this from maybe a new perspective. Um, and, and often people get frustrated with God because they don't get what they want. But the Bible never tells us God will give us everything we want. What the Bible does promise us that God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And so we get what we need from God, but we always, don't always get what we want. Now, getting ready for this message, I look back on my childhood. I've, I've shared this before. My mama had 18 brothers and sisters. They lived on a dairy farm, and two of them died at birth. That left 16 of them, grew to adulthood. I got cousins. I don't even know who they are, right? There's a lot of people in that family. Christmas was crazy at Ma and Paul Tatum's house. That's what we called them. And she was about that tall and had all these grandkids to buy gifts for. And so every year of my childhood, I got the same exact gift from Ma and Paul Tatum. It was three things, okay? The first one was a roll of lifesavers. Now, hang on. Not a book of rolls of lifesavers. A single roll of lifesavers every year, as long as I got to guess. The, the second one was really crazy. A bottle of aqua velva. That's right. Woo! Okay, I need you to understand that the bottle of aqua velva that I got was little bitty. And I did my best. I went on eBay everywhere trying to find these little bitty bottles of aqua velva. I you remember the motto for aqua velva? Anybody remember the motto? There's something about an aqua velva man, right? I was seven. <laughs> seven. And I'm getting aftershave. Third gift. Every year. All my childhood, a pair of white socks, one pair, white socks. Looking back on that, I thought about, man, at the time, what I wanted more than anything was the roll of lifesavers, <laughs> right? Never in my life did I ever use aqua velva. By the way, if you want to remember your grandpa, I'll give a free sniff. <laughs> Anybody wants one? And when we're done with this series, if you want this bottle, you're welcome to it. And while I don't ever, ever, it's been years Years since I've had a roll of lifesavers. Never used aqua velva every week, every day. Socks and underwear. And it brings to mind that sometimes not only is what we don't want what we need, but sometimes what we don't want is some of the most important things in life. Once you take your Bibles and we're going to look in, in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 18 about the most overlooked person in the story of Christmas. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and, call, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for uh, the time that you've given us. Uh, thank you for the sweet fellowship, uh, the time of worship, and Father, just the great Christmas music. It's just, it's a great time of year. We want something. Um, we want to learn something. We want something for our lives. We come, Father, uh, not just to see our friends, but to meet with you and hear from you. So, Father, speak to us today. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, if you look at Joseph, uh, he had a very, very difficult role to play in God's unfolding love story. He was the least of every character. So, let, let's put this in perspective, right? Mary... Mary becomes the most famous woman of all women, right? Man, there, there's just so much about Mary. Mary, Mary so, some churches just, they almost idolize Mary. And here's Joseph, and Joseph's only mentioned here and two other places in Scripture. And the two other places he's mentioned other than this simply refer to him as Jesus, the son of Joseph. That's it. He falls in line in the Christmas story behind the shepherds and the wise men. He is an unknown entity, an overlooked entity, and yet his role is so crucial. And what, what happened? He was called to marry a woman whose child he did not father. His first child would be a stepchild. Let that sink in. Got a lot of stepparents here. Man, Joseph's model for us is incredible. Incredible. Probably not what he had planned for his life. Probably not how he expected life to unfold. And when Joseph probably looked at his life, he probably thought about a lot of the things God called him to. Is, I don't want this. I don't want this pregnant woman. I don't want this kid that I didn't father. He got a lot of things he didn't want that led to some things he needed. And the one I want us to focus on today is called responsibility. That there, through this story, this unfolding story of Joseph, we see three responsibilities that he fulfilled faithfully. We're going to address each one of them. We're going to start with this one. Uh, life responsibilities. Uh, these are responsibilities that you get just because you're alive. You breathe air. You take in air, you got certain responsibilities as Scripture lines it out for us. There are three of them that Joseph faithfully fulfilled. The first one is this, a responsibility to honor parents. You're going to go, I didn't see that in that story. I'm going to show you where it's at in the story. The Bible gives, and I need you to hear this, a heavy, heavy role to the responsibility of a child to obey and honor their parents. 
Why? Why does the Bible tell us in the Ten Commandments, the fifth of the Ten Commandments is honor your mother and father so that your days may be long in the land that I give you. You go to the New Testament and the same thing is true. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Why is so much emphasis given to honoring and obeying parents? Watch this. Theologians break the Ten Commandments down into sets of five. Right? First five have to do with God. Second five have to do with our relationship with each other. The only problem with that is the fifth one has to do with parents. Unless honoring and obeying your parents is so significant that somehow it's tied in to our relationship with God. Let this sink in. What happens between a child and their parents lays the foundation for what's going to happen between a child and God. You rebel against your parents, you will struggle to surrender to God. Now it's, it's really quiet in here. Listen, I'm a guy with six adult kids. And I can look at my kids and say, these kids live submissive lives. These kids live rebellious lives. And it parallels their spiritual journey. Is it what some children can't learn at home? Matthew said a few weeks ago, they learn through experience. There is a purpose to God's plan. And God's first, first role of submission in our lives is at home. And that lays the foundation. Look right up here at me. Look right at me and let this sink in. Submission at home lays the foundation for a healthy marriage and healthy parenting. And a healthy relationship with the community. Which leads us to our second responsibility that we see Joseph fulfill. Uh, by the way, you say, well, Pastor, how would you tie that back to, uh, to Joseph? Uh, because the Bible doesn't tell us anything about his role with his parents, his honoring them, his obeying them. Uh, we get that from the word righteous, Right? righteousness is the obedience that results from understanding God's love for us. Look up here, make sure you get this. this is, there's some weight in this Christmas sermon. Right? This isn't the feel-good sermon. That righteousness means I've understood how much God loves me, and I act in obedience because I understand it, and that results in righteousness. Because here's how most of us view obedience. It's a burden. Great, I'll go to church and find out something else I've got to do. Right? And it becomes burdensome. It becomes burdensome. I can't carry the burden of obedience. This is what Jesus talked about in the New Testament. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's the burden of obedience without understanding the blessing of love. Righteousness looks at God and goes, I can't believe how much you love me. Somebody like me? And the life I now live, I live because I realize how much I'm loved. If Joseph was indeed a righteous man, he lived in obedience and honored his parents. We know he lived that way. Which laid the foundation for what happened next in his life. And that is a responsibility to care for family. What is family? Family is mate and children. Mate and children. This is where we get a glimpse into Joseph's life. Joseph had a relationship uh, with a woman named Mary. And the Bible says, as we read this morning, she was engaged, depending on which version of Scripture you read. Some will say betrothed. Here's what I want you to know. What Joseph had with Mary was nothing like our engagement, right? He did not put a big old giant rock on her hand. There was no big party. It was a completely different arrangement than what happens in our world. 
The betrothal period was a time in life where a man and a woman assumed all the responsibility of marriage and none of the privilege of marriage. He paid her bills. He was responsible for everything he, she did. He started building a house for them. He supported her. He was responsible for her during the betrothal. He could not touch her. There was no physical intimacy between them. And so he's got all the responsibility. She's got all the responsibility, but there's no privilege in the marriage relationship. And it's during this time, and don't you wonder how this happened? That Joseph gets the word, she's been unfaithful. I need you to let that play out. Some of you have lived that life. Some of you had the email or the phone call or the friend sit down with you and say, listen, somebody that you're madly in love with has been unfaithful. That's Joseph. It's real. It hurts. And he finds out that she's been unfaithful. Not only unfaithful, she's pregnant. I need you to understand that by law, she should have been drug out of town, thrown in a hole, and the most righteous people in town would have thrown rocks on her until she was dead. And they still would have looked at Joseph and said, he's a righteous man. But he couldn't do it. He could not do it. He made a decision to put her away secretly, right? What she's about to go through is going to be bad enough. Why do I want to make it worse for her? Did this hurt me? Yes. But I'm not going to do what most men do. I'm not going to respond in anger. If you've been reading through our Bible reading plan, 1 Corinthians 16, it talks about how a man should live. That he seeks truth, right? That he stands strong. And every man wants to be courageous in the word and strong, right? That's what a man is. But we always leave out the last part of that verse. And it says do everything in love. And that is the struggle of a man. That a man wants to be courageous and strong, but we cannot figure out how to do everything we do in love. Listen to me. Joseph did. Joseph was courageous. Joseph was strong. And at the most difficult moment in his life, he did everything in love. From his perspective, he assumes this child is a mere mortal man's child. In a dream at night, God reveals to him that this child is of divine origin. And God tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife. So he did. He took a woman who was pregnant with a child who was not his. And look at this. I do not want you to over-spiritualize this. If you don't think that dude laid in his bed at night and really wondered if that dream was real or bad pizza... You got to be, I mean, you got, you, you got to understand that he probably struggled. Did I imagine that? Was it real? Did God really tell me this? Am I doing the right thing? Who, whose baby is this? That he took a woman who had a baby that wasn't his, and the Bible said he didn't touch her. What? Didn't lay a hand on her. Until after this baby was born. Then when the baby's born, he looks in the face. And here's the, the simplest way I know how to tell you. It didn't look nothing like him. It wasn't his baby. And the first child that he's going to raise is going to be a stepchild. What a guy. What an incredible man who fulfilled his responsibility to family, to a wife, and to a child. In the most difficult situation. The third thing that happens 
is that when we have submitted and honored our parents and fulfilled our responsibility to them, we fulfill our family responsibility. The third thing that we fulfill is a responsibility to others. You can call it community. Community. Now, watch me. Look right up here at me, especially if you're single. Listen to this if you are single. In a healthy man pursuing God, a healthy woman pursuing God, you're going to look at their life and they've honored their parents or currently are honoring them. They are going to honor their family system, right? And they are going to be serving and honoring others in the community. Choose that person to spend the rest of your life with. Choose that person. Real simple criteria, right? Because if you don't, you get out there because there's something attractive about that rebel, right? Something attractive about that rebel. They have not honored their parents, man, and that's what you like. You like that wild side. Listen, I'm going to tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get hell. Because if they did not honor their family, they will not honor your marriage. Just hear me. And man, the one you want, you want that single guy who's choosing to serve others in the community, whether that's the church or somewhere else, or that single woman who's choosing to serve other people somewhere else. You look at him and you go, man, they are demonstrating. And this is where this first point wraps up. That the mark of maturity in life is when we have honored our parents, honored our family, and served others well. That's maturity. That's what maturity looks like. Choose maturity. Joseph demonstrated those for us. Second area, a little bit more interesting, is spiritual maturity. How we live in relationship with God. I understand that maybe not everybody in this room has chosen to live in relationship with God. Uh, so you, you can't have spiritual maturity if you're not living in relationship with Jesus. So spiritual maturity or spiritual responsibility is only true if you've chosen to live in submission to Jesus. So like nothing else in life, our family lays a foundation for our relationship with God. We do family well, we're going to do marriage well, but the main thing is our family lays the foundation for living in submission to Jesus. Uh, when we make that decision to become a follower of Jesus, there are two areas of responsibility we have to fulfill. Here's the first one. We have a responsibility to the will of God. The will of God. I want to know, biggest question people ask, I want to know what God's will for my life is. I want to know what it is. And typically, we ask the wrong question. We mean like, what jobs he want me to do? What does he want me to do with the rest of my life? Who does he want me to marry? Does he want me to go to school or not go to school? We're asking the wrong questions. Right? I don't, I don't want to minimize God's involvement in your life. But a lot of those questions, God's like, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I'm more concerned with how you do them than what you do. Okay, you say, well, what do you mean, Rick? I say, we got two jobs out there. We're saying, okay, what is God's will? What is God's will? What, what job do you want me to work, God? And I say, God gives you the freedom to choose whichever God, uh, job you want. What he doesn't give you the freedom to do is work that job any way you want. The Bible is full of guidelines and boundaries for how we work the job we work. Where do you want me to live, God? Where do you want me to live? Hey, live wherever you want. I'm not concerned with where you live. I'm concerned with how you live once you get there. Are you with me? Is that the Bible is full of guidelines for relationships. Don't gossip. Don't lie. Don't take what doesn't belong to you, right? All kinds of stuff about relationships. How to forgive. Never one place in all the scriptures. Here's your guideline for finding your next job. Here's your guideline for figuring out which house you're going to buy and where you're going to live. No. It's who you are and how you live Life, that is the will of God. Now, what happens when we honor God in our job, in our home, in our community, and all those things, living out the will of God, it prepares us for the work of God. Listen to this. 
You want to be used by God, line yourself up like Joseph did, where you are living obedience out of the love you recognize God has for you that's called righteousness, and the work of God will begin to flow through your life. The will of God prepares us for the work of God. And that is the second, second submission we have, submission to the work of God. Uh, it was the fact that Joseph lived in the will of God that put him in the place to be prepared for what God was about to do in his life. Uh, so I want you to get this again. Understand that from Joseph's perspective, he didn't know what we know. Oh, this child is the child of God. No, from his perspective, it was a child of immorality. I need you to let that sink in. So how did he get to place spiritually where one of the most horrible things that could ever happen in a human being's life happens to him and God shows up in a dream and says, hey, I want you to marry her. And this is the answer. Okay. I got you, God. I will do what you're at. How, how did he get to that place in life? Because he had lived years and years and years and years in submission to the will of God. So that when that moment came for the work of God, he was ready to say, yes, now look at me. If you think God's going to show up your life with an opportunity and that opportunity is going to challenge everything about you and the world you live in and it's called the work of God and you're going to be ready to say yes when you have not been living in the will of God, you're a fool in yourself. The only way this guy was ready to say yes to this was because he had lived in the will of God. Which opened the door. For the work of God. The work of God uh, has way more specific, speci it's way more specific um, than the will of God. Um, what God called Joseph to do and to take this pregnant girl as his wife was way bigger than wondering what job he worked. Uh, the work of God will rock your world. When God calls you to a work, it's going to turn stuff upside down for you. Right, most of your life, just, just and, and I don't want to get too off topic, but most of your life, you just live in the will of God. 90, 95% of your life, it's just get up every day and live the will of God. But there will be a moment when the work of God shows up at your door. And when it does, it's going to turn your world upside down. It did for Joseph. And it's impossible to follow the work of God unless you're grounded in the will of God. So this is spiritual maturity. Like we already talked about regular maturity, how we defined it, how we live our relationship with our parents and the people around us. Spiritual maturity is a measure of how well we fulfill our responsibility to the will and work of God. So look at me and let's sink in. You want to know where you are with God? Where are you with this? This is the will of God. This is it. I'm not asking you how much you know it. I'm asking you how much it is part of your life. So where are you Spiritual maturity, you can say, okay, how am I submitting to the will of God and how am I submitting to the work of God? Last point, I like this one. It's what I call specific responsibility, right? Specific responsibility. Uh, this is where God has a specific will or a specific work for your life. And all often we come to the Bible and we look for some specific event that will happen and, and, and in our lives to help us know what God's called us to do. I want a burning bush experience, right? I, want, I, I would just know what God wanted me to do if I walked outside and my shrubs were burning, but they were not consumed. I would know. Okay, let's work backwards for a second. That's Moses. In all of the Bible, how many times did a bush burn not consumed and God showed up and spoke? How many times did it happen? It ain't going to happen in your life. You can quit looking for it. It's not going to happen in your life. Watch this. 
It happened once because it was a specific call on a specific man's life for a specific thing. And it ain't you. But we always go, oh, God, I want my burning bush. How about this one, Elijah, who prayed this like six-word prayer. And fire comes down out of heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the altar, the wood, consumes the water and the trough and everything around it. And you're like, okay, God, I want my Elijah moment. You're not getting it. You're not Elijah. It wasn't your moment. That happened once, one time in all of Scripture. And we want it to happen in our life. By the way, how many times did God call a man to marry a woman who was pregnant by the Holy Spirit? A specific responsibility that nobody else, look at me, look at me, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. That God looked through time and he said, you're the guy. In all of time, I'm never going to ask anybody else to do what I'm asking you to do. All of time. I need you to marry this girl. And it will be scandal, Joseph. It will be absolute scandal. They'll call your kid a bastard. And I'm asking you to do it. And Joseph said yes. Joseph said yes. Joseph spent his life submitting to the will of God and the submission to the God's will prepared him for that very specific responsibility that God called him to. A call that he never placed on another man's life. So when God calls you to a specific work, by the way, and this isn't very encouraging, but God calls you to a specific work, there's not a lot of people you can go and talk to about it. Right? Joseph didn't have anybody he could go and say, hey, God wants me to marry this pregnant girl that's pregnant by the... You ever had something like that happen in your life? Right? Moses probably didn't talk about that burning bush experience very much either because people would have thought he was insane. When God begins to do that specific work in your life, it's very narrow. Not a lot of people you can go to and ask, hey, what do you think I ought to do? Last point, pay your spiritual dues. How do we get to the place where all this happens? Well, uh, we're used to that phrase, pay, pay your dues. Uh, if you're the low man on the totem pole at work, you pay your dues. You get the grunt work that nobody else wants. And you at your job, you pay your dues. But we never, never, never want to apply that to our spiritual life. And I'm telling you, you got to pay your dues spiritually. Right? We start following Jesus and, and we're ready to be Billy Graham. Give me, give me, give me a stage. Man, I just need to tell, talk to people. because No, pay your dues. So watch this. How old was Jesus when he began his ministry? He's 30 years old. Okay, listen to this. The son of God who could have started any time he wanted waited until he's 30. No substitute for time. No substitute for time. Paul has a Damascus Road experience, meets Jesus. How long is it between the time he met Jesus and the time his ministry actually began? Probably not a lot of people know this. Three years. Where he disappeared, received instruction, grew in his walk with God before he ever started preaching his messages. No substitute for time. My favorite one is this, because I'm kind of getting there in age now, is Moses. Lived to be 120 years old, right? 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in wilderness. 80 years of his 120-year life were lived in preparation for the last 40. Two-thirds of his life went into being prepared for the last third of his life. No substitute for time. Pay your dues. Spiritually. Rick Warren 
looks at the world we live in and he has a phrase that he uses called the Polaroid effect. Um, that is when we are overexposed and underdeveloped. You want to know why churches are having the problems they're having today? Because we live in the age of the overexposed and underdeveloped leader. It's tough. Pay your dues. So if you could, um, if you could come down to one statement about the life of Joseph, what would it be? And, and, and I've, I've chosen this one. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness is the act of fulfilling responsibility. Whatever God gives us, will we be faithful to it? Um, Joseph was faithful to God. Therefore, the Bible says he was a righteous man. And uh, last week we read through the nativity story in Scripture in our Bible reading plan. Uh, I wish you'd go back and look at the number of times that the people mentioned in that story were called righteous. The will of God prepares us for the work of God. Joseph was a righteous man. He was faithful to God. At the word of God, Joseph took Mary as his wife. He was faithful to her. He was faithful as a stepfather. Uh, did a good job of raising a kid that he wasn't the biological father of. Did he understand everything that was happening in his life? I need a head nod. I don't need a verbal thing. But did he understand everything? There's no way. W look at me. When he, when he didn't understand, he was still faithful. Right? Did he like everything that was happening in his life? But when he didn't like it, he was still faithful. And there are going to be some people here today. And you're going through some stuff. And you probably don't like it. Right? Uh, you didn't get what you wanted. What's the chances you're getting what you needed? What's the chances of you pausing for just a moment in the situation that you're in and saying, okay, God, I don't like this. And you've heard that in my prayers because I've told you a million times I don't like what I'm going through. But I've never asked you this. What do I need? What am I supposed to be getting from this? Would you bow your heads with me? God doesn't always give us what we want, but the promise of God's word is that he will always give us what we need. If you are online, we have an online pastor who will engage with you. If you're here, we have ministers at the front. And I want you to process a couple of questions about your spiritual life as we kind of move toward our, our response time. Uh, maybe this season of your life, you haven't gotten what you wanted. And I'll just be honest, I, I had a lady come to me after the last service. She goes, man, I get, I get so cynical and so critical. It just, when, when I, I, I'm, I'm looking at what God has put me in, and it can make me bitter. And I needed to hear this. Because when I look at the life of Joseph, I, Joseph, I realize he, he probably didn't get what he wanted out of life. But there was a reason for it. Maybe that's you. Maybe in this season of life that God is doing something. Would you, would you be willing to pause this morning and ask that question? Father, what do I need? Because I sure don't like this. Or maybe God is calling you to a specific work. 
And I can tell you this is true of my life. It's true of most of the people in Scripture. When God called them to a specific work, most of them ran from it. Most of them were afraid of the work that God was calling them to. And maybe that's where you are. And I'm going to ask you today, would you just be faithful? Would you trust Him? That if He is calling you to an unknown territory, an unknown task, would you be faithful? Victor is here and Matthew is here. I'll be here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe God's calling you to plant your life at this church. Maybe He is calling you to begin following Him. For the first time ever, you'd look at your life and go, Jesus, I'm ready. We'd celebrate that with you here today. I'm going to pray. Our band's going to lead us. That is the time we invite you to respond to what God has spoken to you. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us, the worship, the fellowship. But God, we open that word and Father, just it pierces us. May we be obedient. May we respond. May we be faithful today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.